Today marks the the start of an Easter season at Cross Church. And as you may or may not know, Cross Church is a church that's devoted to the message of the cross. That's what we're about. And it's what I want to talk to you about today. The life of the cross. Central to the message of Easter, folks, is the cross. Central to the message of Christianity is the cross. Central to the Christian life is the cross. And yet it's something we don't hear about too much anymore, at least not in North America. It's hard to get our minds around. The interesting thing, my friends, is is that if you have read through the New Testament even once, then you will understand and you will know that the message of the New Testament is the message of the cross. Approximately one year before Jesus went to his death on the cross, Jesus informed his followers, his disciples, of the events that were about to come. And if you have your Bibles, you can take them and turn to Luke chapter 9. And I want us to look at verse 22. Jesus, approximately a year before he went to the cross, said this to his followers. And if if you'll just say it with me, please. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, in case anybody is under the notion or the idea that that Jesus dying on the cross was an accident of history. If anybody is under the impression that, you know, it was like plan A didn't work and Jesus died on the cross and and it was sort of an accident and that wasn't God's plan. I want you to know something. It absolutely was God's plan. It was his purpose. Jesus understood that the reason he'd come to this world was for one purpose. It was to die on the cross and then to rise again. On Easter Sunday, we're going to be having a baptismal service. I am so excited about that service. If My friends, if, if, if you're not one of those people that attends church every Sunday, make sure that this is one you don't miss. Because on that Sunday morning, there's going to be 12 people. We're going to be celebrating the, the, the faith of 12 people who are following Jesus. And baptism is a, is a symbol of Christ dying and rising again to new life. And friends, that's exactly what happens for those who become Christians. There's nothing magical about a baptism, but what it is, it's, it's a confession of faith. It's saying to the whole world, I'm following Jesus. I believe in what Jesus has done for me on the cross. Jesus makes us very... Very shocking pronouncement. I'm going to die. I'm, go- I'm going to die. And you know the Apostle Peter. Everybody knows the Apostle Peter, the one who's always suffering from foot and mouth disease. He's always saying the wrong thing. He says, Jesus, you don't have to go and die. Now, Jesus understanding just how difficult it is to go to the cross and die, says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Everybody, everybody remembers that. Why does he say that? Because Peter doesn't understand Jesus' purpose. 
Jesus' purpose was to come to this earth and die for you and me. To take away our sin. That's why Jesus came to the cross. And Jesus is resolved to do what God's called him to do. Now, after he makes this this amazing prophecy of his death, then he says something that's almost even more absurd. Listen to what he says. Look at it. It says in verse 23. And if you'd read it with me. Then, altogether ready? Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus, you must be kidding. You could just see all the disciples. They said, you know, we'll follow Jesus. He's, he's raising people from the dead, walking on water. People are being healed and, and he's feeding multitudes. And this man's incredible. And yes, we're going to be, we're going to partner with Jesus. And all of a sudden Jesus says this and his disciples are scratching their heads and saying, what on earth is he saying? Someone shut him up. Stop him. We're going to lose people. People stop following Jesus if they, if he keeps saying things like this. This is not going to win people over. But Jesus says this, if anyone would come after me, if anyone's going to follow me, if anybody wants to be my disciple, if anybody wants to be a Christian, then this is what you got to do. you got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. And the disciples are, oh, no, we're going to lose all kinds of people now. Because I want to assure you of something, my friends. When Jesus talked about dying on a cross, everybody in the land of Judea understood what a horrific thing that was. I'm going to talk to you more about that in just a moment. And then Jesus goes on to say this. He says, if you want your best life, The best life is found in losing it. Look at this. Let's read this together. Can you read it? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Now, before we go any further, I know some of you are scratching. What does that mean? That's that's, that's kind of religious googly gook. I don't don't understand that. We'll explain it in just a minute. But before I do that, I'm going to say this. All anyone needs to do is read through the New Testament once. And you will discover that the only way anyone can have a truly great and happy and exciting and joyful life is found or discovered wrapped up in the message of the cross. My friends, this is one of the radical, these are, this is some of the radical teaching of Christ that the natural mind can't understand. I'll explain that more in just a moment. Before I go any further, I want to say that this message is dedicated. I've never dedicated a message before. You see books dedicated to mom and dad. This is, and it's, not, it's not dedicated to mom and dad, by the way. Sorry, next time. <laughs> this message is dedicated to Jordan and Carrie. Because here's the thing. Back a few uh, months ago, I was talking about who wants to, who would like to hear a series on the radical saints, the radical teaching of Christ. And they say, yes. And so... This is the first one, and there's more to come. But I'm going to tell you something. Your natural mind can't... This won't make sense to your natural mind. Because your instinct is not to deny yourself. It's not to take up your cross daily. And it's not to follow Jesus. Your natural inclination, my friends, is to be very self-centered. And Jesus calls you to live a completely different way. A few years ago... A book was written by famous TV preacher Joel Osteen. 
And in that book, he lists seven steps to living at your full potential. He calls it your best life now. He's a good-looking guy, isn't he? So I decided what I like to do is I like to write a book, too. Call it the same thing. I mean... I mean, he's got that winning smile. I had to, I had to borrow his smile. I mean, I look so much more handsome with that smile, don't I? Yeah. But I don't have seven steps, my friends. I've got three steps. Three steps to your best life now. And it's found in that verse, verse 23, where Jesus says, if Anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> if you look at this verse, there are three imperatives or three commands. It's the strongest way you can word something. And Jesus says, I'll tell you what the words are in Greek. And I want you to memorize these before you leave today. Arnesis thou. Aratau, akaluthatau. Arnesistau, aratau, akaluthatau. Let him disown. Let him pick up. And let him be following. My friends, that is the key or the steps to your best life now. Let him disown. Let him pick up. And let him be following. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't, I don't have seven steps. I've got three steps from the Word of God. They're easy to understand and remember, but listen to me. They're not easy to practice. In fact, the, the Holy Spirit can open your... Only the Holy Spirit can open your mind to understand what I'm going to share with you today. Your natural mind can't get this. And so what I want to do right now is I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will move through this place and do a work in your heart and your mind because otherwise you're not going to know what I'm talking about today. Is that fair enough? The Holy Spirit is going to do something in your heart and mind today. And I'm going to just pray for you right now. If you just bow your heads with me. Father, as we look at this truth, we, we acknowledge today that our natural mind can't get this. But God, by your Spirit, you can take this word and you can make us understand it. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to, to move through this place very powerfully, very mightily. Open our minds to receive the truth. And we know your word tells us that when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, to live the way and to do these three steps that Jesus is calling you to live, I'm telling you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to work in you to live this radical life because you can't do it on your own. You can't do it. on You need the Holy Spirit to enable you to live like this. Now, can I just tell you something really quick? You say, Pastor, I mean, uh, you sound like you're being so exclusive. Well, I, I got, this is what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians 15.50, it says, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's, it's the Spirit that inherits the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, listen to this. Listen very carefully. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Did you hear what I said? The man without the Spirit does not, does not accept or receive the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So what I'm sharing with you today is something that can only be discerned spiritually. Your natural mind can't pick this stuff up. 
We call it a, a paradox. It's, it's a teaching that's contrary to the way that you would naturally think. And so here's the very first thing I want to share with you. Your natural mind can't pick this up, but your spirit can. If the Holy Spirit quickens it to you. It's the word arnesistal. Let him disown or let him deny. Jesus says, if you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, the very first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to deny yourself. Now, the word deny is, is actually literally disown. And so Jesus is saying, you've you got to disown yourself. Does anybody remember Peter? And he is, he is, uh, He's with Jesus, close to Jesus, snuggling up beside Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, guys, I want to tell you something what's going to happen. In just, in just a few hours, I'm about to be arrested. And you're all going to de- deny me. And, and, and Peter says, no way, I'm not denying you. I'm not, I'll never disown you, Jesus. And you know the story, don't you? Jesus says, look, at, you're, going to de- you're going to deny me or you're going to disown me three times. And you're going to hear the rooster crow. And that will be a reminder that you've, you've denied me. And you know the story. Peter is confronted. And three times he denies or disowns Jesus. Essentially, he's saying, I do not know the man. I don't even know that he exists. I have nothing to do with him. He's he's nothing to me. Now listen, Jesus is saying that if you're going to follow him, you need to do that to yourself. As though you don't even exist. You have to deny yourself so that it is, it is as if you don't even exist. Now, I'm going to tell you something this morning. Usually, we treat ourselves as though we are the most important thing in the world. Isn't that right? It's true, isn't it? If you don't believe me, and you've heard me say this before, go to the sandbox. Watch the kids there. Every one of them thinks he's the prime minister. It's all about him. Do it my way or no way. And that's why great fights break out in sandboxes. And that's why those little kids that are fighting in the sandbox grow up to fight in school and then go, grow up to fight at work. Why? Because it's all about self. And I want you to know something today, my friends. Your greatest enemy is yourself. It's not your wife. It's not your husband. It's not your kids. It's not your boss. It's not your neighbors. Your greatest enemy is yourself. And Jesus is saying, if you want to know happiness and your best life now, then deny yourself. Disown yourself. Put others first. Put others first. Put God first. My friends, that's, that's what the great commandment is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is it. Deny yourself and put God in first others. First, and you'll see what happens. Now, you show me a marriage where there's fighting, and I'm going to show you selfish people. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just sort of scanning the audience here. I'm not picking anybody out. Besides of which, I'm 47 next month, and I can't see anymore anyway. So don't worry. I'm not singling anybody out. You show me a family where there's fighting, I'm going to show you selfish people. You show me someone who can't get along with the people he works with or she works with, I'm going to show you a selfish person. 
You show me a church where there's infighting, I'm going to show you selfish people. You show me where there's harmony in a marriage, harmony in the family, harmony in the workplace, and harmony in church, I'm going to show you people who understand what it means to deny self. This is your best life. And you thought that joy would come to your heart by having it your way. McDonald's, you got it wrong. You don't deserve a break today. Your wife does. Your husband, your kid, it's other, it's about others. But you'll notice that the natural mind doesn't understand this. And that's why the media, when they do their advertising, it's all about you. And you just drink it up. And you say, you're right, McDonald's, it is. I do deserve a break today. My friends, if you're going to be a Christ follower, the very first thing you need to understand is that you need to deny yourself. In other words, you don't put yourself first. Jesus goes on to say, Aratau. Let him pick up. Pick up what? Your cross. Many think that cross-bearing means suffering hardships in marriage. I've heard, I've heard people say that. You know, my husband, oh, it's the cross I have to bear. <laughs> He's not your cross. <laughs> my kids, oh, they're the cross I have. No, they're not your cross. My boss, oh, my, my boss, my cross. <laughs> they rhyme. I wonder why. <laughs> That's not your cross. The cross we're talking about, my friends, is a cross that means death to self. Jesus says, you've got to take up your cross daily if you're going to be a follower of me. And if you do this, it's going to bring you joy. It's going to be your best life ever. I tell you, it goes totally contrary to what the, our culture and our society says. Jesus is very familiar with, with crucifixion. In fact, all of, his, all of his listeners were very, very familiar with crucifixion. I mean, Jesus at age 11... There's a huge, huge uprising just four miles from his town. What town did Jesus grow up in? Don't say Bethlehem, please. It's Nazareth, right? (laughs) Just four miles from Nazareth in the town of Sepphoris. Judas the Galilean, not to be confused with Judas the disciple. Judas the Galilean led a rebellion against Rome. He raided the royal armory there in Sepphoris. Roman vengeance was swift and terrible. The town of Sepphoris was burned to the ground. Its inhabitants were sold into slavery. And listen to this. 2,000 rebels were crucified on crosses, which were set in lines along the roadside to, to warn others who might get in their head that they want to lead a rebellion against Rome. The people in Jesus' time were very familiar with crucifixion. Now, listen to this. This is, this is Jesus' favorite illustration of what it means to be a Christ follower. It's his favorite illustration to demonstrate self-denial. Six times in the Gospels, in fact, he refers to his followers taking up their cross. In chapter 3 of Joel Osteen's book, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not slamming Joel Osteen, please, I'm not doing that. But I'm telling you what the Bible says about having your best life now. In his chapter 3, it says, discover the power of your thoughts and words. The power of your thoughts and words. But the Apostle Paul tells us something else. Would you read that with me? For the message of the cross 
is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Folks, what is the power of God? Is it your thoughts and your words? No, it's the cross of Jesus. It's surrendering to Christ and living the way that Christ has called you to live. Jesus, they understood that the cross meant shame. I mean, we, we've got a very sanitized version of Jesus hanging on the cross. We always have a loincloth, a loincloth on him. But I'm telling you, in the days when crucifixions happened, there were no loincloths. People hung naked, exposed. And to die on the cross was the greatest shame of all because in the Old Testament it says anybody who hangs on a cross or on a tree is cursed. It's the worst way to die. And yet Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross. Jesus, what are you, th- what are you saying? What are you thinking? Taking up this shameful symbol. But here's the thing, my friends. If you're going to live for Jesus, if you're going to stand up for Jesus, if you're going to speak up for Jesus, then you're going to be one who embraces the cross because that's what it means to be a Christ follower. When you embrace that cross, you're saying, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm standing up for him. I'm speaking up for him. I will not deny him. Listen to me. Jesus said, those who deny me on earth, when we stand before the Father, I will deny you. Did you hear that? If you deny Jesus here on earth, when, that day when you stand before God, he will deny you. And so here's the thing, my friends. Your job, my job, is to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Which means we speak up, we stand up. We live for Jesus so that everyone knows to whom we belong. Cross meant shame. Cross meant death. When you embrace that cross, when you take up your cross daily, you're saying, I'm going to die to myself, my wants, my desires, my pursuits, my vision, my dreams. Joel in his book says, the steps to happiness is enlarge your vision. Choose to be happy. My friends, with all due respect to our brother Joel, my Bible tells me that I'm supposed to die to these things. And when I die to these things, when I say, God, my my vision, I surrender to you. My dreams, I surrender to you. My happiness, I surrender to you. Then guess what happens? Then you discover a vision that comes from God. It's not your vision. How many know that, that any vision you come up with was, is just not big enough? But when you get a vision for God, then you've got a vision worth pursuing. But it only comes when you take up your cross and follow Jesus. We've got young people here today. You've got your dreams in front of you, the things you want to do for the rest of your life. You've got your career all picked out. But what does Jesus have to say about it? What does Jesus want you to do? You think that maybe Jesus might want to send you to the mission field or see you involved in ministry? What about those of you who are are nearing the age of retirement? You thought you're going to Florida. You thought you're going to Hawaii. Maybe Jesus wants you to go to Zambia. Listen to me, my friends. Taking up your cross means you don't live for yourself anymore. You're living for God. And when you start living for God, 
I, mean, I, I could just hear you saying, Pastor, you tell me you, you're, you're saying that, that God might want me to trade in Hawaii for Zambia and that's going to make me happy? Yes! Because when you do the will of God, God lets a joy rise up in your heart that no man can give you. That this world cannot give and the world cannot take away. Some of us are just living for ourselves. We said, yeah, I'm a Christian. I said the sinner's prayer. I'm going to heaven. But Jesus says if you're going to be his follower, you've got to take up his cross and do it his way. You no longer pursue your own vision, your own dreams, your own happiness. You pursue God. And God will give you all that you need to give you joy and happiness in this life. Someone say amen to that. Every day, we got to pick up that cross. Every day, you got to make a decision. Young people, when you put that backpack on your back in the morning on your way to university or high school, remember to also pick up the cross and take it with you. you got to do it every day. Say, God, I'm not going to live for myself today. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to stand up for you. I'm going to bear the shame for your name. And Peter <laughs> denies Jesus. But when Jesus goes to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit, and you need the Holy Spirit at work in your lives, my friends, or you're not going to get this stuff. You won't be able to do this. When the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter, when they come to arrest him because he's preaching the gospel in the streets of Jerusalem, he's brought in, he's tortured, and he's released. And what does he say? He counted a blessing. He counted it a blessing to suffer shame for the name. My friends, that's where your joy is going to come from. You're saying, Pastor, I don't see how this is going to work. I don't see how this is going to happen. This doesn't sound like a good way to bring happiness to my heart. All I can say is try it. You'll like it. Try it out and see what happens. But I'm telling you, this, this is something that the natural mind cannot grasp. This is something that only the Spirit Working in you can help you understand. Otherwise, what I'm saying to you right now is absolute foolishness. You can hardly wait to get out of here. <laughs> Say, I don't know what this pastor is talking about today. It's absolute nonsense. But for those of you who are open to the Spirit of God, you're saying, yes, I get it. I need to embrace the cross life. The third thing Jesus says is you need to follow me. Akaluthatal. Let him be following. Follow? Where to? Well, Jesus, before he says, before Jesus says, anyone who wants to follow me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know what he says? Before he says that, he says to his disciples where he's going. <laughs> and he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus said, that is where I'm going. And if you're going to be a Christ follower, if you're going to be a Christian, then that's where you got to follow me to. See, Pastor, I'm, I'm liking this religion less and less. <laughs> I don't think this is the kind of Christianity I signed up for. But I'm going to tell you today, my friends, this is precisely the Christianity of the New Testament. And if you're hearing any other Christianity, then it's not the biblical stuff. I'm telling you that right now. And my job, my friends, as pastor, is to make sure that my sheep understand the truth because someday I'm going to stand before God the Father and give an account. And he's not going to say, did you give us some good psychology lessons? He's going to say, did you tell them the truth? And that's what I'm going to have to give an account for someday. So whether you like it or not, I've got to tell you this stuff. Jesus says, 
Follow me. Follow me to that place that you maybe don't want to go to. To do that thing maybe you don't want to do. Some of you here are here today. You, you, you became a Christian recently. This is not where you wanted to go. But God, by His Spirit, drew you to this place. And you've begun to experience the power of God at work in your life. And you don't understand the whole thing yet. But you know this, is that you're experiencing a joy in your life and a joy in your marriage and a joy in your heart that you've never experienced before. And I'm telling you, my friends, it's because you're doing what God wants you to do. You're following Jesus. Where did, where did Jesus lead his disciples? Where does he say that we need to follow him to? We find Jesus his whole life through doing the will of his Father. My friends, that is what you want to do. You want to follow Jesus, even as Jesus pursued the will of his Father. This is what it means to follow Jesus. It means that we live to do the will of God and not your will. You, you say, is there, is there any way that I could just sort of be a marginal Christian? Do I have to do the whole thing? Do I have to be so radical about it? Can I just like tone it down a little bit? And the answer is no. You can't tone it down. It's the whole package deal, my friends. If you're going to be a Christ follower, you've got to do it Jesus' way. Because this is what, listen to what Jesus says. Read it with me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So if you're going to be a Christ follower, my friends, you're going to have to follow Jesus. Otherwise, you're not worthy of him. When you love Jesus more than anyone else or anything else and you follow him, my friend, you start to live and love like Jesus loved. You give up on your selfishness and you become a beautiful person. Now listen to me. I've heard people say, Man, I don't have any friends and nobody likes to be around me. Well, I've got a, I got a solution for you. Start, start caring about other people. Start following Jesus in his unselfishness. And you know what? You'll have people around you all the time. My kids were younger. They said, Dad, how can, I, how can I make friends? And I said, it's easy. Don't talk about yourself. Ask others about themselves. And when someone does a good job, tell them you did a good job. When someone looks good, say, you look good. Tell them, to tell, care about other people and not about yourself and watch what happens. My friends, the same thing goes for you and me. When you start caring for others, start living for others, start putting others first. You become attractive, even as Jesus is attractive. A few years back, we, we everybody had T-shirts. It's a WWJD. Everybody remember those WWJD? What does WWJD stand for? We put it on our shirts. We put it on our caps, on jewelry, on bracelets, necklaces. Put it on our bumpers of our cars. What would Jesus do? The problem is that nobody paid any attention to that. Man, as long as i got WWJD on my clothes and on my car and on my house, and then that's good enough. Now, I'm telling you, this is what we need to do, my friends. We need to die to ourselves. And I think we all need to get t- T-shirts that say, death to self. <laughs> I'll, I'll make them. If nobody will know what you're talking about. Death to self. Are you going to commit suicide? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about death to selfishness. Jesus makes it clear. This is when your best life begins, when you start following Jesus and doing what Jesus would do. 
Notice that Jesus is on the way to the cross just hours before. He's in the garden. And remember, he's doing the will of the Father and he wants to do the will of the Father. And now he's having a hard time doing the will of the Father. How many know today doing the will of the Father is not an easy thing? Following Jesus is not easy. And so we follow Jesus' example. When it's difficult to do the will of the Father, you get on your knees and you pray what Jesus prayed. And what did he pray? Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. I don't really want to go through this. In fact, the idea of dying on the cross is is something that is so abhorrent to me. God, can you just hear Jesus crying out to God in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, when I was 11 years old, I saw those people hanging. It's been a nightmare. Do I have to do it? And the Father says, yes. And Jesus says, then Father, not my will, but thine be done. My friends, it's not easy to follow Jesus, but I can tell you this. You get on your knees and pray and ask God for his power. You will be anointed and strengthened by the power of God. His Holy Spirit will come and attend to you so that you can live this life that he's called you to live because you can't do it on your own, I'm telling you. You cannot follow Jesus in your own strength. You need his Holy Spirit power. And that, my friends, is why Jesus tells us to pray every day. Remember the Lord's Prayer? He tells us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This needs to be your daily prayer. And my friends, you do that, and you're going to experience your best life now. You're going to begin to experience miracles in your life. You're going to begin to experience God working in you and through you in ways that you couldn't imagine. And you're going to have a joy in your heart that you could never get on your own. My friends, by now you understand that the biggest problem in this life is you. And you say, Pastor, thanks a lot. Just what I needed to hear. That's not very nice. But you are your biggest problem. And what you need to do is you need to take seriously this business of following Jesus. Because if you want to follow him, if you, want to, if you really want to come after him, then you need to deny yourself. Self is the problem. You need to take up your cross every day. Don't leave home without it. Never mind your American Express. <laughs> Don't you forget your cross. And then follow Jesus. And watch what God will do in and through your life. And some of you, it's been a long, long time since you've known the power of God at work in your life. And you're saying, man, that's just what I need. Here's how to do it. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. In just a moment, we're going to receive communion together. If you put your faith in Christ, then you're invited to come and partake because this is the Lord's Supper for those who put their faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Can I just remind you again why Jesus died on the cross? Why he was spiked to that cross? It wasn't because he'd done anything wrong. It's because you and I did something wrong. And God proclaimed 
in Genesis chapter 3 that because of Adam and Eve's sin, the man would die physically and spiritually. And God said, I love man too much to let him be lost for eternity. And God sent Jesus to die on the cross to take away your sin. You're going to die physically, my friends, but those who put their faith in Jesus will live spiritually forever. And when Jesus comes again, the Bible says you're going to get a brand new body. And someone say with me, hallelujah. (laughs) That's what it's all about, my friends. Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. That's what Easter is about. He did it for you and for me. And that's what we're celebrating here. We're celebrating what Jesus has done on the cross. My friends, to be a Christ follower means that you die to yourself and put Jesus first. Would you bow your heads with me, please? This morning, maybe you're here and you're, you're, uh, you haven't yet maybe put your faith in Jesus and you want to do that. I'm just going to ask you to, the whole congregation, if you just say this simple prayer with me. It's a prayer of surrender to Jesus. Would you pray with me, everybody? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me and for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking away my sin and for giving me eternal life. I confess that I am a sinner and I need you to take away my sin. Forgive me and wash me clean. And thank you that I belong to your family now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, you've never prayed it before and you meant it with all your heart, then I want you to know today, Jesus has accepted you into his family. You belong to him now. And I pray that before this day is out, you're going to tell one or two people, maybe come and tell me even or email me. But you, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it from your heart, then you have become a Christian today and Jesus has accepted you. And you're free to come and take of the communion. I'm going to show you a, a quick video. And I'm going to ask the, my elders if you'd come and join me in just a moment, maybe halfway through, just come and find a place there. And then we're going to take communion together. But uh, God bless you and, 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 and examine your heart right now. Think about what it means to be a Christ follower as you watch this video clip. Go ahead, Scotty. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads right now, please. In a few moments, I'm going to be inviting you to come forward to receive communion. Communion is symbolic. There's nothing magical about it. It's symbolic of what Christ did for us. He shed his blood. His body was pierced. The bread represents his body. The wine represents his blood. And when we take that together... It signifies that we're a body. We're one. And we take it together. We celebrate what Jesus has done. It's beautiful. 
absolutely beautiful. And this morning, this is not for perfect people. This is for people who've been made righteous through Christ. In other words, if you put your faith in Jesus, you've accepted and embraced what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And the Bible says that when God looks at you, He doesn't see you and your sin. He sees Jesus. And Jesus was perfect. He was pure. That's the gospel. That's the good news. When you accepted Jesus, He took that burden off of your shoulders and He gave you brand new life. Washed away all the sin, all the bad things, all the terrible things that you've ever done. It's all washed away. That's good news. It's as if you're, you're, you're perfect. It's as if you never sinned. It's all washed away. When you ask God to forgive you, He cleanses you. It's all washed away. And God doesn't remember it anymore. What a great and loving God we serve. I want to read to you a passage of Scripture, and then in a moment we're going to invite you to come and receive communion. And we're going to do it a little differently this morning. We're going to invite you to to come down the middle aisle, receive your communion. If you need prayer, the elders are here. They'll be glad to pray for you. And then just ask that you file off to either wing and then find yourself a seat. But let me just read to you a passage of Scripture from Corinthians. And the Apostle Paul explains to the Christians in Corinth what this is all about. And he says, For I received from the Lord what I have passed on to you, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. So let's take a moment right now examine our hearts. If there's unconfessed sin, this past week you have failed God or even have a sense of guilt or shame in your heart, why don't you just come to God right now and confess your sin? And the wonderful thing about our faith, my friends, is that the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and He's just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of all evil, of all wrongdoing, of all unrighteousness. So God, we, we come to you right now asking you to do a work in our hearts. Take a moment right now. Father, thank you right now for for your forgiveness. And thank you, Lord, for the delight, the joy that is yours to have children that, that follow you and do your will. 
God, we pray right now. Fill our hearts with joy and gladness as we partake of of the Lord's Supper together. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Amen. As Barry just sings a few songs, you're invited to sing along. I'm going to ask you to to come down the center aisle and go off to the sides. The elders will will distribute the elements. And uh, please, if you move fairly quickly, we'd appreciate that. If you uh, can't get out of your seat, you just can't make the trek, we'll bring it to you. That's no problem. But hang on to the elements until we've all got it, then we're going to take it together. All right? God bless you. Come when you are prepared to come. I just invite you to bow your head right now and you know those words, sing along. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. presence of God is so rich, so real this morning. God is here. And uh, He loves you. He loves you so much. And so we're going to take the bread together. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took the bread after He'd given thanks and He broke it. And He said, take, eat. This is my body, just broken for you. Let's take it together, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. He did this for you and for me, friends. In the same manner, he took the cup and said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I return. Let's take it together, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you this morning. For Jesus, thank you, Lord, that we've been washed clean. Thank you, Lord, that we've been made fit for heaven. 